Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and good tidings to everyone celebrating any and all holidays. This episode is a wild one, kids. Nick Lacapo drops into the studio to discuss the newly released effect from G. We are talking presents. The main event is my interview at Magic Live with Harrison Greenbaum. You're going to hear me uh, say this a little later, but I'm going to give you a content warning now. Harrison and I both use some adult language, and while this interview is primarily the two of us discussing comedy, we do get a little sweary. Before we get to that, this is a comedy magic-packed episode because we are starting off with Desert Island Magic Books. You've seen him on Foolus and his nifty torn and restored balloon trick repair. Washing up on my Desert Island this week is Michael Kent. Michael Kemp, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's say you wash up on a desert island tomorrow and you get washed up with one magic book. And of course, the book is made of Tyvek and plastic so it doesn't disintegrate. What is your Desert Island Magic Book? Uh, I I want this to be a lot more than just one Desert Island Magic Book. I I want this to be cello-wrapped with a whole bunch of other books. Uh, We've already had someone try and sneak the entire Tarbell course (laughs) on there. And it is Desert Island Book, not books. Okay. I, I want to be the whole Art of Astonishment, Paul Harris and Eric Mead series of three books. Okay, but I'm, if I'm I have to choose one. It's just one. Just one. Uh, I think it'd be the second one. Okay. There's a lot of stuff in all three of those books. But then the second one, there. Well, first of all, the Art of Astonishment book, like you look at it, it's not just cards. There's other stuff yeah. that you can do that's not cards and, and random items too. Yeah. Not just like, it's not like your typical card coin it's a wild set of books. It is. There's weird stuff in there. Uh, but I still perform something out of that book. It's Sylvan, Sylvain Maroof's uh, Osmosis. <laughs> it's a really cool thing that what, some, someone tell, showed it to effect. me. It's a linking card effect with two cards. Uh, doesn't use an extra card like some methods. And he has cardboard connection in that book as well. Yeah. That goes into depth with different methods. And yeah. I remember seeing Doug Henning do cardboard connection when I was a kid on I've, television. I've, Dan Harlan's been doing cardboard connection in the show around here recently. Is that right? And it's it's like, a great trick. It's really good. So, But this is one that this doesn't is, use the extra card. It doesn't use an extra card. And uh, rather than tear a hole out of the middle of the card, mm-hmm. you tear two smaller holes out of the middle of the card. So you fold the card into quarters okay kind of like what it looks like a mercury fold yeah gotcha and then you tear like a half moon out of the mercury fold and when you open it up that makes a, a, like a figure eight out of the card okay. so there's two windows and what happens is when you fold it in half you link the crossbars so you can unfold it and it makes a really neat topological puzzle it's like a um it's like an impossible object well, when we get off pod, you got to show this to me because yeah. I, I have the AOA books. The for our listeners, the Art of Astonishment books, uh, but I don't remember this one, so I want to see it. It's obscure. Someone showed it to me when I was a teenager at a magic convention, and I said, "Where do you? Where can I learn this?" Yeah, and he said, "It's an Art of Astonishment," and I said, "No, it's not. I have Art of Astonishment." Yeah, and it's uh, when I finish the routine, I I literally say to the audience, to lay people, I say. Uh, thank you for appreciating that. That's thirty pages in a magic book in six months of my life. Um, <laughs> so this is this is this isn't just like some quick one-off trick because there are a couple of those in there, which is great. This is uh, a full. I mean, you can make this trick last two minutes, two or yeah. three minutes, and, and because half of the trick is unlinking the cards. Oh, because as you and and that's the beauty of this this routine is uh, as you're unlinking the cards, you're tearing parts off the cards and getting rid of 
the the dirty business okay that's so been done is to the, the card. is the card gaffed in some way or can you do this sort of impromptu i do it impromptu mm -hmm. the the method in the book i believe tells you how to gaff it so that you don't have to do it impromptu okay i've never prepped the cards in any way um i literally make the gaff right in front of the audience oh, uh, as i'm awesome. doing it and i practice it every time i open a new deck mm -hmm. with the two uh promo cards yeah i every time i take those you know rather than throw them away I just do osmosis real quick just to do it for myself and stay fresh. And uh, it looks great when you use court cards because uh, you get the border yeah. and uh, and you end clean. Like you could literally hand the cards out at the end of the, the routine and they're holding two cards with the entire middles ripped out that in their minds were just linked. I almost don't want to release this because I don't want other people doing it because yeah. I want to go find this and learn <laughs> it and do it for myself. It's, it's a really fun trick. Yeah. Um, the, the hardest part about learning it is, well, yeah, there's you got to get your fingers into weird parts mm -hmm. in the cards and then uh, learning how to tear through that many layers of card. I mean, you're, fo you're folding a card in, ha in quarters yeah. and then tearing through all four layers of the card. That's so tough. It takes a, uh, you just have to find the leverage on how to do that. And once you do it, it's like super easy. Well, I mean, obviously all three of the Art of Astonishment books uh, belong on everyone's shelf and definitely on every desert island, but picking volume two specifically is very interesting. And and I totally understand why, especially if you have a deep connection to this trick. Yeah. Uh, Michael Kent, thanks so much for joining me here of on course. Desert Island Magic Books. All right, kids, it's the main event. Once again, I'm gonna hit you with a content warning here. Harrison and I use some rather adult language in this interview, but don't worry, in general, the topics stay pretty light. We talk comedy, comedy magic, and the magic state of the union, as well as so much more. Regular listeners know that I am often present and asking questions during this interview. This one is a little different. Magic Live is a wild time where we work hard and play hard, and after a third 18-hour day in a row, as soon as the mics turned on, my brain shut off. Fortunately, I had a cross from the podcast desk for me, one of the funniest magicians on the planet. He's been on Last Comic Standing, America's Got Talent, and Conan. And now you get to join our conversation. Harrison Greenbaum, thanks for stopping by the Penguin Magic Podcast. It's so cool to see you at Magic Live. We had you in the Amazing Jonathan's lecture last night. That, that was, was incredible. It was amazing. Yeah. Was everyone who He's was, a hero of mine, so it was cool to oh. see him just talk about stuff. Me too. I actually saw that lecture when he did it in Grand Rapids, and so seeing it again here was like, oh, I remember this. I'm so glad yeah. I can take notes this time. <laughs> So uh, I just wanted I wanted to bring you in because uh, you and I are you're one of the rare magicians that I have this in common with is that you're a stand up comic and not just a stand up comic but a thumping good one. Oh, thank you. So. Yeah, I do. I'm, I think most of my shows are stand up comedy. Really? Yeah, I think if you look at my calendar because I go to New York and I'll do like okay. three four sets that are just stand up. It's so easy to build up the stand up mm -hmm. numbers. And it's weird coming from that because you end up being you end up being very very focused on creativity and originality in in your in everything that you do. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that? Because your your magic that you do, because I saw you perform at Magi Fest, yeah. and it was a scream. But, oh, thank uh, you. It was just, I, I hate sounding like that. I'm turning into a disgusting podcast. No, it's person. great. But uh, how are you sort of approaching? Don't apologize for saying nice things about me in public. This is, how are you keep finding... it going. My nipples are hard. Is there a rating? I should have asked. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, how are you finding that uh, coming from a comedy background, a stand-up comedy background, yeah. is uh, uh, influencing the way you're approaching your create uh, the creation of your magic? Absolutely. So well, I started out as a magician, kid magician, mm -hmm. and then went to college and really got uh, – fascinated with stand-up and you know you take that jump out of the plane the first time you're like whoa like i just have words and a microphone this is amazing yeah 
And I really got that. That became my focus. I remember I was about to go on stage uh, in New York and I was putting sponge balls in my pocket and a comedian was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, well, if the jokes don't work, I got this, mm-hmm. this sponge ball thing. It's like a closer. Mm-hmm. He's like, you'll never get funny if you have a safety net. You have to survive on jokes alone if you want to get funny. And I took that to heart. There was a very long time where I kept stand up and magic really separate because mm-hmm. I wanted to. Be, and I also wanted the respect of other comedians. I wanted comedians to know that we I, I'm a stand up. I'm a pure stand up. And then when I started combining them, um, I, I realized, too, like one of the things that I lecture about, I gave my lecture today, which is mm-hmm. called You Are All Terrible, um, which is always fun to give. Um but one of the main things is that we create our magic backwards. So any other artist, they start with an idea. Mm-hmm. Then they figure out the techniques to express that idea. And then they filter that through their voice. Mm-hmm. In magic, you buy the trick first. And then you figure out how you're going to jam it in your act. Yeah. And then you hope that it's somewhat different. But it ends up being like an iPhone, right? Where everybody has the same iPhone, but everyone has a slightly different case. Mm-hmm. Right? This guy says he went to China. And this guy said he found this prop in Japan. But mm-hmm. it's the same prop. Yeah. Um. So I think that's something I learned from stand-up is that I used to joke the reason I like stand up better than magic at that time was because if I wanted to talk about abortion, I could write an abortion joke. And I don't know of anybody who has an abortion card trick. Uh, I don't have an abortion card trick, but I do have an abortion effect that I did in a sketch comedy show. Oh, there you go. OK. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. The premise. Of, <laughs> the, What's the real work here? The premise of the sketch is that uh, <laughs> uh, abortion is outlawed unless it's performed by magic. And so a magician would wave gotcha. a wand and then the pregnancy would visually disappear. Oh, I like the work on that. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? Uh, it's in my lecture notes. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, Tricks to get you fired exactly. by Eric Tate. I like it. So uh, how now how are you? Now that you're, I mean, that is a, a very specific way of, of approaching your, your magic is because now you're creating things specifically because as a comedian, you're, yeah, you're starting I mean, with the premise. My argument, and yeah. I, 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 this is my personal thing, but I believe that is how art is created is you come up with the idea, then you find the technique, filter it through your voice. And if magic, if you want your magic to be art, or, and if we want magic to be considered an art form, then that's the way we have to create it. It's really hard. It's definitely way harder. Um, but I think that's the only true way uh, so, of, of actually creating magic that is art. What's so, what what is something in your act right now that actually started that way, where you started with the beginning and then you find and you found your way to the end, and you wrote the magic trick like you wrote uh, a comedy piece? Do you have anything? well, every single trick in my show is built like that. I start with an oh, idea it, now because you're experienced at it. Well, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of when I I got to build my show having the, the show that I'm doing now is a show that I started building after I already had stand up chops under my belt. Mm-hmm. So I was already in that mindset. But I kind of write the script first. I'm like, what's the funniest thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. What are what is the funniest moments that could happen in this trick? And yes, there's a, once you get it on stage, there's, you know, there's so many things that happen where you realize the audience is telling, you know, go this way with the trick or go this way. Yeah. Um, but I, you know. My my price is right thing, my fuck you trick, yeah. all these tricks were scripts where I was just like, these are funny jokes. And okay. ha- then I come up with the method. Yeah. The method is the last thing I have to worry about because I know eventually I have the knowledge. I, there's a library. I, I'm I'm very lucky. I have a lot of friends from Magic Camp and magicians. And I, I there, there are, there's enough knowledge to figure out how can you make the miracle that's on paper an actual reality. Yeah. It's magic is interesting. You touched on something there that I think is uh, I don't think a lot of people realize about the difference between magic and comedy in that magic is super linear. We have to do A to get to B to get to C, whereas comedy doesn't have to be because if you are in the middle of something and it's not working, you can bail on it and get to something else. Whereas that's not the case. in a well, magic Yeah, Once show. you're in that trick, it is very yeah. hard to, yeah. <laughs> to pull that lever. Yeah, um, I do think if you're in the middle of a joke and unless you have a similar joke, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just only because the jokes tend to be shorter. I, mm-hmm. I don't think mo- like most magic tricks feel like they're at least 10 minutes mm-hmm. or, you know, and mo- I don't, 
I don't think there are any jokes that are that common that are a 10 minute bit. Mm -hmm. So just that length is what's going to do it. Right. Like if I if all of my bits are most of my bits in my stand up act, if you can include all the tags, probably in that like two minute range. So if you bail on that one or it doesn't work, that's only two minutes. Mm -hmm. But every trick in my act has got is at least 10 minutes. So that I think that pulling the parachute in the middle is a lot harder when there's five minutes left. <laughs> so how? Do, so are you still working with the illusionists? Sorry to interrupt, but this week the podcast is brought to you by Presence. Nick Lacapo stopped in to talk about this awesome new trick from G. Nick, what is G? <laughs> what is G? <laughs> Who is G? G's one of like the best magicians I met over the last few years. Yeah. Um, he's a guy, well, I mean, I think he told me he was from another planet and he's like yeah. 300 years old. He's like a being from China. Oh, man. Which explains why why his magic is so good. Yeah, he's like one of those magicians you meet that you're like, man, I, I am not fully formed uh, as <laughs> what, what kind of magician I should be. I tried to give him a t-shirt at Magic Live and it's the biggest regret of my life. He always wears the same thing, al <laughs> always, but always does really strong magic and we've got a new trick out man, with him. Man, what a, his stuff is so powerful um, and so this presence trick is an effect where a spectator writes down their name on a business card and then you hold it up and you, you hold a flame to it. Their name vanishes from the card, but then their name reappears written on the table uh, <laughs> yeah. that's nearby. We went out and performed this thing. The reaction, uh, the, you know, it's not the same effect as like ashes on the palm or double cross. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're familiar with those style of reaction uh, effects, but it, it has the same power level, strangely. You know, I wouldn't have guessed, but man, when that name ends up on the table, just be prepared because people will freak out. I mean, they, they, the biggest problem we had when we were filming it was that people just continued to audibly swear every time that <laughs> thing When people happened. run away and it yeah. kind of, it's like, I don't know if I should move the camera left or right <laughs> to catch all these people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, uh, it, it's, there's almost no sleight of hand or anything yeah. in this effect. You'll get a gimmick pen in the mail. Um, but, um, man, the effect is easy to do. All you have to do is carry around some business cards and a lighter. And if you're in the right performing environment, there's, you know, and the, this is a, this is a strong trick. And the thing is, is you, there are a wide variety of performing environments you can perform this in because G goes into, it's over an hour of different ways you can do this on different tables, different surfaces, different mm -hmm. types of business cards, making it vanish from one business card and then reappear in a different color somewhere else. Right. It is, I mean, it's a very, very thorough explanation. And I would also recommend G's lecture uh, very much. If you do, if you do find you like presence after getting it, get his lecture. Cause this, he's just doing stuff differently. Uh, he's very unique. Yeah. I, like I would mention, I haven't met many magicians like him. That was presence by G. Available on penguinmagic.com. And now back to my conversation with Harrison Greenbaum. So how do, so are you still working with the illusionists or is that, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. So I've been, uh, I've done three productions with uh, The Works, which is the company that puts it on. So mm -hmm. I did Illusionists in Perth, Australia, the most, the most, I think it's the most remote city to get to. Uh, it took like 30 hours, um, but it was amazing. That sounds horrifying. It is a lot. Um, you take two uh, Z quills, which are like all just the sleepy part of NyQuil and like a glass. I was on, it was the first time I ever flew Etihad. And I'm like, I'm a yeah. Jew. And so you're like, oh, is this going to be scary? Because it's like, the it's the, uh, it's the Abu Dhabi airline. Mm -hmm. 
um, at a HUD. So I was like, all right, this right, I'm sure there'd be great service. Mm-hmm. So I get on the plane and I'm like, I'm going to get a glass of white wine, trying to knock myself out because uh, I'm a basic bitch mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> rosé all day. So I... I go to the guy, guys, what do you want to drink? And I go, can I just get a, like a glass of white wine? He's like, it's Ramadan, sir. And that, I, I, I don't, we can't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I'll just take a soda. And he's like, I'm just kidding. Whatever you want. And I was like, you son of a bitch. And then put me totally at ease. I thought that was the greatest thing. I was like, this airline is amazing. That, that airlines will be significantly better if they just employed comedians as stewards. It was great. I think the whole anything will be better unless it's a doctor. You don't want a doctor doing a bit like no, that might no, be it, hard. It, it, but almost every profession will be better with mm-hmm. with comedy. Yeah. Um, I Sorry. I totally lost my mind there because yeah. I, because I've been awake for 18 I was going to say the people listening and should know that you are doing the Lord's work. Oh, no. It's just, <laughs> Magic Live is a completely insane experience, uh, especially if you're trying to film and perform and do all kinds of things. But uh, uh, I don't know. You suggest something. You're you're much more clever and interesting <laughs> than I am. No, I think right. I, I don't know if that's true, but I think mm-hmm. I, it's great to to connect with people who have mm-hmm. that comedy background. Yeah, because I do think there is. First of all, yeah. if you can be entertaining without any of your props. Just yes. your words. Then when you put in the magic, you you should be unstoppable yeah. at that point. So how did you uh, – sorry, uh, I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase this. Yeah. What, how, are, uh, how, are, how did you start transitioning your magic back into your comedy? Because that is was the biggest struggle for me. Yeah. Was, was going – because I got so comfortable without props. And then – and <laughs> and not – and also – it nice to show up at a gig and not pack? You just walk yeah. in and you're like, is the, is the mic on? And they're like, yes. And you're like, yeah. done. It's great. Tech I don't, over. I don't have to think about the stacks or anything else like that. Yeah, like what, exactly. What, how did you, you start – You don't walk and, out and you go, oh, yeah. shit. One of these yeah. decks is not a mnemonica. Yeah. Yeah. Because I still have troubles now. Like I, I was playing a, a week in a theater and I got, I walked out on a stage and I was like, oh, I did not set the show up the way I thought I was going to. So now I'm going to have to clever my way into the end of the show. Oh yeah. I yeah. have this thing where once in a while you forget that you're not a wizard and you're like, oh wait, if I don't do it, no one will. This trick will not have an ending. I'm not a real wizard. This is all fake. Uh, so one of my favorite things that you do that I think is super interesting and I want to hear a lot more about it is the, uh, the state of the magic union. Yeah. <laughs> how did, how did that start for people who have never heard of this before? Yeah. Harrison- well, it's a new thing that I just started. Um, there is a guy, Andy Kindler, who's a fabulous comic and every year at the biggest comedy festival in the world, Mon- mm-hmm. just for laughs, Montreal, mm-hmm. um, they do a state of the comedy union. And that's where he rips on everything that's happened that year in comedy. And it's a big deal. All the industry comes to it. People look forward to it. They can't wait. And nobody's ever done that for magic. And uh, I was talking to Josh and Andy um, and they were like, I was like, I have this idea of like doing this magic state of the union where I roast everything that's happened that year. The most ridiculous things that happened in magic that year. And I have a weird, unique set where I I know what's going on in the magic world, but also I have roasted Mm -hmm. and been involved in roast battle and judge Mm -hmm. roast battle and all that stuff. So it would be really cool to do it. And it went off. It was it was so fun. It was crazy hard to write. It took forever, but it was so, so fun. I think what a lot of magicians really miss in the roasts is they don't understand that the history of the roast is that we are roasting stuff because we love it not yes. because we hate it which is right there's things going on right now where people are like oh we're roasting magic and it's like no you're just being a dick right like, yeah there's a like, very there's a very important line for yeah. sure and, and also there's got to be joke structure right like yeah you got if you're gonna make fun of something it's got to be funny and clever you can't just be like he's yeah. fat yeah that's not a roast that's just really <laughs> insulting yeah there's you need you you can call someone fat it, 
you know, if you do it well. Right. Do it in a fun way. Use yeah. the comedy structures. Be surprising. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So can we expect more uh, State of the Magic Unions? And yes, I, I bet 2020s is going to be a hell of a road. 2020. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, people better buckle their seatbelts. <laughs> it's going to be outrageous for sure. Yeah. I've been now that I've done the first one and I know that I booked the next one. Wait a minute. That was the first one. The one at Magic Fest was the first ever one. I yeah. thought that was the second one. No, that was number one. I've always been kind of roasty in my lecture, but that was the okay. first official Magic State of the Union. Oh, that's... Was at Magic Fest, yeah. That's wonderful. I'm so glad I was there to see that. Yeah, it was It was very nerve-wracking because I had never done it, and I had... I'd written a fresh 40... I mean, you know about this. Mm-hmm. Like, when I normally go on stage, it's with stuff that I've done a million times, and yeah. I'm bullet... Not... You hope you're bulletproof, but yeah. like, these are jokes I've done, and I've polished them over time, and it's there are these rocks that have just... Yeah. Now they're these polished gemstones because I've knocked off every edge. These jokes in the roast are, are jokes I can't just like work in a comedy club. So it's 45 minutes of new material. Don't you think, though, that part of it is you do have a bit of an advantage because it's it's fast. The stuff has happened recently. Yeah. So you can get in, you can get into that joke and it doesn't have to be perfect just because they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe he thought of that that fast. Yeah, I mean, I was including things that happened at that convention the day yep. before. So I was trying to work as fast as possible. And there were, mm-hmm. thankfully, I had friends at the convention because I flew in like a day late. Mm-hmm. People were like texting me like, you should talk about this. You should talk about this. So I'm on the plane like, okay, this yeah. is great. So before I even touched down, I was making fun of things at the convention even though I wasn't there. Oh, that. Uh, so you've got spies out there. So, you, <laughs> yeah. so you're pre-showing your comedy is what you're telling me. <laughs> no, there was a guy who just texted me. It was a Porsche mm-hmm. that was spray painted. With all of these magicians, and they weren't even like great renditions, all of them. Oh, I remember this. And so as soon as he sent it to me, I was like, thank God. And I think I had a bunch of jokes. One was like, I didn't know you could put a midlife crisis on top of a midlife crisis. (laughs) And I was like, this is, and the beauty of having a PowerPoint too, um, Kindler, I think, Kindler just does it, I've seen it live once, Mm -hmm. it's just reading from a piece of paper at a lectern. I have the benefit of a PowerPoint so I can show things and that helps so much. Uh, PowerPoint is one of my favorite mediums to work in as a comedian. It's amazing. It's so good. Uh, I love giving extremely elaborate, incredibly complex PowerPoints that took way longer to have set up than they did to write. Especially because you're like, okay, I'm going to time this because it's comedy. So you set yeah. up this animation and you spend 45 minutes making sure the arrow bounces in on time. Yeah. It's, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd much rather work on that animation than I would any second deal. Yeah, that's fair. Although, yeah. at least the second deal you can use for a while. The, this animation is going to be like, here you go. You guys saw it. That is blasphemy. There is nothing more <laughs> useful than a bouncing arrow. Okay, so if uh, we're three days into Magic Live right now, is there a, what is the state of Magic Live as you see it? The state of this convention? Yeah, the state of this convention as you see it. You know, I, I uh, there's a lot of flabby old white men. Um, I said it in my lecture, but like, yeah. it's you know, it's, majority white men over 60 and a very small sliver of women and minorities. So we're basically the Republican Party at this point. Why do you think that is? Because there are, there are some fantastic women magicians and some fantastic minority magicians. And it does seem like the disparity is getting better. But where, where why do you think that that is that these are the people? This is the demographic of our conventions. Sorry, I just didn't mean to get no, like super no, real not here. At but, all. I have a yeah. slide in my lecture where I go, PSA, if mm-hmm. you stop being creepy, there'd be more women. I really do think that there's a lot of bad behavior and people need to just stop. Like, stop being creepy. Treat them. They're equals. Like, this is insane. Does it seem like it's that hard for us to just stop being creepy? It's not hard for us because I think, I don't know. It's not hard for me because I grew up with strong women and I I respect them. Um, But there's definitely a lot of people who don't know that lesson. Yeah. I I just, it seems like it would be such an easy thing to convey to people. Like. You would think. Yeah. 
Also, I get really mad when people introduce them as female magicians. They're just magicians. It's like, I mean, you, you don't go, oh, look, I have a great woman doctor. You're like, it's, she's a great doctor. Also, she's here. I can tell her gender. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, uh, Harrison, is there anything else you want to talk about? This is because <laughs> you're more interesting and creative than me. So what, what do no, you No, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I enjoy that this is on penguin magic because yeah. I feel like I don't know. If penguin. I feel like a penguin is different than a magician mm -hmm. in that uh, if you have sex with a penguin, there are at least some people who would understand. I, yeah, I can confirm that. I mean, having that was my penguin magic joke. <laughs> See, I came in locked and loaded, everybody. <laughs> penguin magic joke. Oh man! Well, thanks for uh, dropping by the podcast, and uh, that's where we're gonna end up. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so what have you? What have you? So is this podcast called Exhausted with Eric Tate? <laughs> yes, it this is. This is just. This is not even a podcast. Yeah. This is Penguin slowly torturing one of its employees <laughs> until he literally kills himself on a podcast. You're just gonna kill over during this. How are you gonna make it to the end? Uh, well, I'm gonna film Cyril, and then I'm okay. And then I'm gonna sleep forever. Oh, you are gonna get to sleep. Oh yeah, yeah. I. This I, is my last hard night. Part of me, because I I like you, wants that to be true. But the comedy part really hopes that Penguin shakes you awake a half hour into your nap and makes you do three more of these. I, I, and we just get to watch the degradation. Uh, I've been hoping to meet up with Takumi ever since I first saw him do the snap deal. And mm. so he, we're finally, it's, it's been years of us circling each other. And we're finally in the same hotel at the same time. And I'm really hoping that on 18, uh, on 18 minutes of sleep, I finally <laughs> get to like have the first snap summit with him. and Or maybe a lamp that I... I'm hallucinating. Exactly. Thank God you're filming this because yeah. that would be amazing. Like, wow, he's very yeah. quiet. And like, Eric interviewed a lamp for 20 <laughs> minutes and nobody told him. And he just thought it was a very quiet, quiet snap dealing man. I have to say, it's not just me that Penguin is doing this to. Uh, it is everyone. This convention makes everyone sort of insane and they stay up forever. Yeah. And it's wild. I think that I've heard stories about Magic Live and effects that happen at Magic Live that are only possible here because people don't sleep for three days. <laughs> it's also weird to go to these parties because like when I go to a comedy networking party, yeah. it's hilarious because the reason I'm a comedian is because mm -hmm. I like to be the guy against the wall making fun of everybody else. That's where a comedian is born. And you have a party of comedians. So it's just a bunch of people lined up against the wall. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants to actually be at the party. Everybody wants to make fun. Mm -hmm. And Magic, it's also it's a bunch of really awkward people who took up Magic because yeah. they don't know how to communicate. And now they're like free booze it's yeah. a party it's and weird none of them show each other magic every one of them walks into a room and goes oh yes you're the guy who does this and no one says can i see it and no one offers to see it it's just a <laughs> bunch of magicians not doing magic at each other it is weird when you go to the party and there's that one guy you're like oh no he can only communicate through magic and he's just like yeah. waiting for somebody to ask him like his cards are ready and it's like okay show me where again thank god yeah oh man uh uh Harrison Greenbaum, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, I, I wish you all the best, and I hope you have more sleep or none. If you get none, yeah. it could be the best thing ever for this podcast. <laughs> thanks so much. Take care. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks to Harrison Greenbaum for talking to me, and thanks to Brent Braun, who was taking a nap while Harrison and I recorded this in a Las Vegas hotel room. And of course, thanks to you for listening. I have loved putting this podcast together this year, and the response from everyone has been amazing. Just so you know, as this podcast is going out, I am right in the middle of preparing to fly to Las Vegas for a week to interview some of the biggest names in magic, and I wouldn't be able to do that without you and the fantastic support from all the listeners to the show. 
It's your support that keeps this show rolling, and next year I'll be releasing some massive conversations. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to hit that subscribe button and share this and all of your episodes with your favorite magicians on the social media platform of your choice. If you wanted to reach out about anything you heard on this week's show, I am available by sending letters to Santa. But if you wanted to make sure those notes get to me, you can hit me up on Instagram, at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else at the P3 Magic Studios, happy holidays and practice, practice, perform.